0: Hi, everyone. My name is Sean. I'm part of the stewardship team here at Renew. Now, let's pray before we read the scripture together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us here. Lord, we want to just come sit at your foot and kneel and just receive your word for us. We pray that you keep us open. And Lord, as your word comes, may it find fertile soil in our hearts. May it take root and just help us simply to obey and follow you. Thank you in Jesus' name. So the scripture passage for today is from Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 to 21. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Genesis 21, verses 8 to 21. The boy grew and stopped nursing. On the day he stopped nursing, Abraham prepared a huge banquet. Sarah saw Hagar's son laughing, the one Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Send this servant away with her son. This servant's son won't share the inheritance with my son Isaac. Now this upset Abraham terribly because the boy was his son. God said to Abraham, Don't be upset about the boy and your servant. Do everything Sarah tells you to do because your descendants will be traced through Isaac. But I will make of your servant's son a great nation too because he is also your descendant. Abraham got up early in the morning took some bread and a flask of water and gave it to Hagar. He put the boy in her shoulder sling and sent, sent her away. She left and wandered through the desert near Beersheba. Finally, the water in the flask ran out and she put the boy down under one of the desert shrubs. She walked away from him about as far as the boat shot and sat down telling herself, I can't bear to see the boy die. She sat at a distance, cried out in grief and wept. God heard the boy's cries, and God's messenger called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries over there. Get up. Pick up the boy and take him by the hand, because I will make of him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. She went over, filled the water flask, and gave the boy a drink. God remained with the boy. He grew up, lived in the desert, and became an expert archer. He, left in the, he lived in the Peiron Desert and his mother found him an Egyptian wife. A God's word shape and inform us today.
1: Thank you. It's the, the origin story for Legolas, right? <laughs> the great archer. Uh, <laughs> so, everyone, I want everyone to repeat after me. Everybody say God's love is never ending. God's grace is never ending. God's compassion is never ending. God's provision is never ending. God's presence is never ending. Is never ending. Is never ending. Scarcity. Someone say, oh no. Oh, no. oh no. Scarcity. Scarcity is that which is counter to the truth of the never ending Keep on flowingness of God's nature. Amen? Um, I love pho. Amen? Can I get an amen for that? Uh, And what I like about pho is that you get a lot for cheap in a fast amount of time. Right? It is the cheapest, the mostest, and the fastest. And and now, uh, when you do pho in Seattle, you got to bring it. Am I wrong? You have to bring it because there's a pho restaurant on every corner. So if you're going to open and keep a pho restaurant on Seattle, in Seattle, you really have to know pho and bring pho. And um, back in the day when I was doing ministry, campus ministry uh, at the University of Washington and maybe a decade or so ago uh, and I was a poor, you know, campus minister and talk about scarcity. Scarcity of food and scarcity of funds. I love to go on the Ave, right? The Ave in the University District. By the way, why is it called the Ave when it's University Way? Does anyone have an answer for that? I don't know. Uh, But uh, the Ave was where you go to eat cheap food a lot, and for fast, because it's a college, it's a college town, right? It's there's college students all over. In order to keep your restaurant on the app, because there's a lot, there's a high turnover on the app. You see a restaurant go up, it's got lots of signs, people check it out, and then it's gone, right? And something else is taking it quickly, taking its place. Um, so, uh, to in order to stay, uh, you really have to have good food, um, and you really need to be cheap and you really need to have a lot, right? So back in my day, uh, I used to love going to China First. Is China First still around? Yeah. China First, no? Sad. But back then, they had a 2.99 lunch special. 2.99! And you would get a lot of rice and a lot of meat and even egg roll, right? So 2.99, you can't beat that. I would just live there and... Um, and uh, the thing about it was, the main dish, and for me being a rice lover, the main dish had a ton of rice for two ninety nine. And then for for Tan Brothers number one, right? I still think for Tan Brothers is number one. For uh, Tan Brothers would have four ninety nine for a large, right? And the large is this huge bowl. And Tan Brothers is the best. And you can, we can argue about this later after <laughs> church. But they won the av Wars. Back in the early 2000s, there were the av War Wars. And for tan Brothers won. And do you know why they won? Because they have an abundance mentality. Right? An abundance mentality. See, the Av eats restaurants alive. The Av eats aspiring small business owners alive and, um, and there, like I said there's been so much turnover uh, over the years uh, with so much competition um, but there are a few restaurants that have stood the test of time, right? University Teriyaki is that still around? UT still around. Nasai is that still around? Yeah. Nasai is still around, Tiger Room, still around, right? And then there's Tan Brothers. And this abundance mentality, if you wanna compete um, in a competitive market such as the Ave, you need to sell the farm for the long term, right? If you have a scarcity mentality as a restaurant owner, you may say, oh, I need to cut costs, otherwise I'm not gonna make Money. So here, here are two mini ice cream scoops of rice. That's mistake number one, right? Or some restaurants even started charging for rice. Who charges for rice? Rice is default, right? It's free. You don't charge for rice. It's not gonna cut it. You're gonna charge me extra for rice? You're fired. You better give me a mound of rice. A mound of rice with a ton of meat on top of it, right? And you're gonna charge me less than a McDonald's meal deal for it, right? The Big Mac meal deal is the standard. You better charge me less than that and give me more food. (laughs) So they're cheap, they're fast, tan brothers, and there were other pho shops that came around, right? They didn't make it. They were even next door to each other. Because the one thing I remember about Tan Brothers, and they still do this, is what do they give you while you're waiting in that short amount of time? Tea? tea? That, they give you tea, but there's something else. Cream puffs. Cream puffs. <laughs> right? They gave you the cream puff, and you're like, they brought it before the fog came out. So you're like... Do I save this So after, like dessert, or do I just eat it now? And no other place had the cream puff. So they're not charging for extra, like extra rice and skimping out on things. They're giving cream puffs on top of it. Abundance mentality. Abundance mentality. And people notice, maybe the cost is higher. But in the long run, you're building... A clientele you're building a loyalty base or like I want to go there that's the place to be because when I go there it's like a living well right I don't feel like I'm being cheated out of something I don't feel like you know I'm lacking what I feel like is even though I'm paying whatever six bucks I'm being treated like a king or a queen I'm being given so much, lavished on. And that's how Fatan Brothers won the Ave. And it's still there. And in fact, they have chains all over the place, right? And the restaurants that started off with a scarcity mentality never got going and ultimately got replaced. It's next man up environment on the Ave. Um, So in our passage we have Abram and a little boy who just finished weaning. So just finished weaning, which is a big deal in Jewish culture. And we see this in this passage. Uh, Isaac, who we end up knowing as as this little boy, uh, maybe he's between the ages of one and a half to, depending, maybe three, two, three. and Abraham prepares a huge banquet, um, huge banquet to celebrate this transition, this uh, stage of coming to age. Right? You're off, you're not weaning any longer, and um, perhaps the celebration is due to the fact that there's a high infant mortality rate. And so the, there's a crossing of the threshold that's happening, right? This infant in a fragile state that could die or his life could be taken or get sick or whatever has passed the stage. And now they're like a toddler. He's a toddler now. And so there's a celebration. And during the celebration, Sarah, and we've seen these characters before, Sarah, Abraham's wife, sees Hagar. And if you remember earlier, chapter 16, Hagar is... um, Sarah, or Abraham and Sarah's servant, Egyptian servant from Egypt, and Sarah actually gave Abraham a hall pass and said, sleep with Hagar so you can have a child, because she was so dubious of the promise that God gave that, oh, you will have a child and your child, and I will make a great nation of you, right? If you remember, Sarah even laughs at God, and God said, you laugh? I did not laugh, says Sarah, right? And so there's this whole play on laughter um, and the passage is building up to this. But Sarah saw Hagar's son laughing. Again, laughter. Uh, the, one, uh, the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, send this servant away with her son. This servant, uh, servant's son won't share with my son, Isaac. Um, If you do a careful reading of these passages, uh, you would be like, oh, Isaac is an infant, just weaned, Um, but Ishmael, which is Hagar's son, should be a teenager. If you read and deduce, he's a teenager, but later in the story, you see, oh, she was carrying Ishmael on her back. Uh, He's not a teenager. Um, so I don't know how, do you, how you figure it, but Ishmael is a little, little boy, and he's laughing. And a lot of people in history traditionally have looked at this passage and said, oh, it's a cynical laughter. Oh, it's a sinister laughter, right? Ishmael is bullying Isaac and making fun of him. That's what is making Sarah upset. Because earlier in chapter 16, Sarah became upset when Hagar, having a child by way of Abraham, was lording it over Sarah. Like, ha ha, I have a child and you don't. And that's what co- created the tension in the first place. So you would say that tension's following, following kind of the generations, and Hagar's son is bullying Isaac. Um, but it doesn't say this, the text doesn't say that Hagar or that Ishmael was laughing at Isaac right, or teasing him. It just says at this celebration, Ishmael is laughing. And being a young child, I just pictured, oh, it's a celebration. And Abraham is, having, is in an abundance mentality, right? Let's celebrate, bring the family. Let's have a feast and a meal. And bring all of my sons, all of our servants, bring them in, the family members, bring them in. And I just see Ishmael feeling very free, very comfortable uh, with his status in the family. Very like, yes, we're playing. Just like our kids running around here. They're playing. But I imagine Sarah catching, seeing Ishmael. right? So free. Having a good time in her household and just her heart getting close like closing right like when someone's having a good time and you're like why are they even at this party? I didn't invite them, right? And you're just like, Urgh. right? You can't be happy from you want to kick them out. And that's what I see is that she is so upset. Right? that there's only one heir for this family, and that heir is my son, Isaac. Right? You die, you live, right, if I live, you die. Right? If you live, I die. In, in Korean culture, there's this term called Han, and Han is supposedly like the source of Korean rage, right? because of years of oppression and years of like, oh, now we're living in this scarcity. Right? Our resources, our freedom have been taken away. And so this, this Han creates this, you know, like I, rather than you live, like uh, both of us are gonna die so that you don't live. Right, that kind of idea. Like you so don't want this person to thrive. You so don't want this person to live that you'll destroy everything, right? You'll destroy yourself, self-destruct, in order to, to just ruin everything. That's how like small the heart has become. And I see this in Sarah. She can't celebrate because she doesn't want Hagar and Ishmael to be inheritors, to be a part of this line, to be a part of the blessing. And inherent in that, behind that is that the blessing is kind of the belief and conviction that God's blessing is limited, right? That's that's the scarcity mentality. Like, if I give too much noodles and a cream puff, I'm not going to make a profit, right? There's limited resources. And if Hagar and Ishmael live, then it's going to take away from our blessing. It's going to take away from our position In this family so she demands that Isaac send the servant away and we see kind of the alternative in verse 11 this upset Abraham terribly because the boy was his son right I don't see him as a threat I don't see him as competition the boy is my son that's my son my blood uh, curiously, uh, in verse 12, God says, Don't be upset about the boy. Do everything Sarah tells you to do, because your descendants will be traced through Isaac. But I will make your servant's son a great nation too, because he is also your descendant. And I think uh, in verse 12, we get the confirmation of the idea of election and chosenness through the line of Isaac which for us, I mean, talk about inside and outside, it kind of messes with our right, sentiments, right? Election, chosenness. What about the other people? What about me, right? Just Abraham, just Abraham's line, just Isaac. And we see you know Esau and Jacob. Oh, Esau's the favored son and Jacob is, or Jacob is the favored son and Esau is the non-favored son. Right, this, this tension between blessing and chosenness, and it kind of upsets, it upsets me because I'm like the underdog person. I love being the underdog. I love having that position. Uh, it upsets me like that someone is elite. I mean, we'd have interpreted someone as elite or chosen or inside, and we're like plebeians or pedestrian, right? Um, so, there is this idea of election and chosenness. Um, and so God tells Abraham to let go of Hagar and to tend to Sarah's wishes, right? And he, that's where the, term, the phrase happy wife, happy life originated, right? Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> happy wife, happy life, God said. Um, but God also gives Abraham a second promise. And this promise is for Ishmael. I will make him a great nation too. Right? That's the covenant. That's the promise and the blessing. Is to make Abraham's descendants great nations. Right? And it's in God's eyes, he's like, it's not limited. Right? You're in your narrative stream and you think, It can only be your narrative, right? But I see the metadrama, right? And I see other narratives, and I care about other people and other narratives, and I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation as well. There's enough, right? I got cream puffs, right? Cream puffs, cream puffs, cream puffs. So don't worry. Don't stress out. Don't be so anxious, doling out, right, your resources, doling out your compassion, doling out your love, doling out who can be a part of things and who can't be a part of things. God's got it. God's got enough. And I think about, you know, Jesus feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus feeding of the 4,000, right? Right? And the common theme in those stories or those those stories is that you start with a limited amount of food, fish and bread, whether it's five loaves and two fish or whatever it is, right? And Jesus blesses and gives and gives and gives and gives. The disciples are like, no way, send them home, right? We can't buy all these people food. We don't have enough. Jesus gives and gives and gives. And what happens at the end? Everyone is fed, and there's leftovers. And the leftovers are more than what they started off with. What does that tell you? That God's resources are abundant. That God's resources are never-ending. Amen? That he is the living well. The living well and the water Just rushes out and it keeps coming and coming and coming and you're drinking and you're drinking and you're drinking and you're you're like, I'm not thirsty anymore. And you're saying to your friends, come and come to this well. Come see what I found. This well and the water is so pure. Right? Drink, drink, come. Dive in, swim, take a bath and drink. Maybe you shouldn't take a bath and drink the same water well, but (laughs) Drink. And the water keeps coming and coming. And you're wondering, in a world where a lot of children and a lot of people in the world don't even have access to clean water, man, how can I keep drinking? Isn't it going to end somewhere? Isn't it going to stop? But God's will is endless and bottomless. Amen? Amen. Uh, where was it? So Abraham makes the choice to sacrifice one son for the sake of the other. He rises early in the morning, takes bread and water, and gives it to Hagar and sends them away. As a side note, the next chapter, chapter 22, is the famous story of Abraham being called to sacrifice Isaac. And there's a lot of parallels between Abraham's sacrificing of um, Ishmael and the, sacri- the willingness to sacrifice Isaac. He rises, the same phrase, he rises early in the morning. Right? He prepares water and food for Hagar and puts, sets it on her. In the same way, Abraham uh, chops up wood for the sacrifice and lays it on top of Isaac. And then later, um, when Hagar discovers a well, to drink from God providing right in the same way Isaac's question is where is the ram where is the animal that's going to be sacrificed and later on after it's all done right they find a ram caught in the thistles, right in the bushes so two sons two parallel kind of lines both are going to be blessed both are going to be great nations both are are a part of God's story of faithfulness and then how, we, how his people respond in faithfulness, right? If there's a threat to the promise, how do I respond to that threat? Do I hunker down? Do I manipulate? Do I make my own plans? Or do I let go and say, okay, God, I'm gonna stay on target. The Death Star is looming, but I'm just gonna stay on target right? and believe. Um, You guys get the Star Wars reference there. And I think, man, Hagar has some of the best chapters in the Bible, 16 and here. It's she, so she's carrying her son and she leaves, it says she can't bear, it. she's like at the end of her rope, right? And in chapter 16, she had the choice. She was tired of Sarah, so she ran away into the wilderness. And God said, go back. Right? And she said, oh, God sees. Right? In this chapter, she's forced out, and she has no options left. And so she's starving. She's hungry. So she finally leaves Ishmael. Uh, it says, a bow's distance away. Because she's like, I cannot watch him die. Right? If you've ever seen the Joy Luck Club, there's a scene like that where the mom leaves the baby down and she's just weeping, just the same image there. She sat at a distance, cried out in grief and wept. And I'm thinking she sat at a distance so she wouldn't see her son die and she wouldn't hear the cry, the suffering. I just can't deal with it. But verse 17, the but God of scripture. But God heard the boys' cries. And this is the cool part in my studies, right? The first three syllables of verse 17, God heard the boys' cries. In the Hebrew, the first three words is the name Ishmael. Because Ishmael means God heard. right? So God heard the boys' cries, Ishmael his very name means God heard in chapter 16 it was Hagar naming God God who sees God saw and then here Ishmael is named God heard God sees and he hears we think no one cares when we are lonely God sees and hears we think No one's listening or cares when we're struggling financially or at the bottom of our rope. But God sees and hears. When we have tough relationships, right? God sees and hears. When our country is in political upheaval and there's so many people who are, as Joanna shared, feeling outcast or on the outside, God sees and hears. God sees and hears. And that's, if you leave with anything, that's something to remember, that when you're at your rope's end, God sees and hears. When you've given up, God sees and hears. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 19, and God opened her eyes and led her to a well. God is the source of living water. Jesus and the Samaritan woman, I have water to give you. I'll spring up. Life everlasting. If you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. And the well is symbolic of God's abundance, right? God's resources are never ending. God's heart is never ending. God's mercy is never ending. God's favor is never ending. God's compassion is never ending. Maybe in the language of Red Robin, fries, steak fries, bottomless. God's resources are bottomless. God's heart is bottomless. God's mercy is bottomless. And thank God in the kid's meal, now the mac and cheese is bottomless. God's favor is bottomless. God's compassion is bottomless. And God's presence is bottomless, it doesn't run out. So we don't have to fight for it, we don't have to step over other people to get His love. We don't have to put down other people to save ourselves. Other people don't have to die so that we can live, and our country needs to know this as well. Right? We live because we love, and that and we're neighbors. Because God's love is bottomless, and he calls us to love out of the knowledge of a bottomless well that we drink from. He calls us to live out of this, to love neighbor, to walk the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to give, to give, to give. Even though my pockets are empty, right? I don't have anything to give, and you want me to give? But that's what separates the community of God. That's what separates the people of God from other people. That we have a source from which we draw. And that's the truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't have to drown other people to save ourselves. We can love freely. We can give freely. Because this is the culture of the kingdom of God. We can share freely with big hands and wide open arms. In Korean culture, one like my mother, has big hands is a phrase. She has big hands. That means when uh, she cooks dinner and invites people over. You know all the Korean side dishes? Right? If you have small hands, you're like, just a little bit. You're not, it's a scarcity mentality. Right? Like big hands are like, more than enough. Like everyone eats, has seconds and thirds, and there's still leftovers. That's someone with big hands, big serving hands, right? And we are called to have big hands and wide open arms for the sake of God. God is bottomless. And then finally, and I'm gonna end with this because this is so beautiful. I'm excited today, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe because I got a exotic gear on Destiny yesterday playing, so I'm excited about that. Um, but in verse 20 it says, "And God remained with the boy." Right? He, the story, the, the story separates. Right? Isaac's line, and we're gonna follow Isaac's line, Ishmael. Separates, he becomes an archer, great archer. He becomes a great nation in his own right. And just because the story doesn't follow Ishmael doesn't mean God's presence wasn't with Ishmael, right? It says God remained with the boy, right? God can think about you you and you and you and you and still think about. Other things over there and be present. And God's heart is vast enough to include the world in his plans and his love. Are you with me, church?
0: Amen.
1: God emmanueled with Ishmael. He didn't say, sorry, got to run. You know, Isaac is a chosen one, right? He emmanueled with Ishmael. For the rest of his life, he remained with the boy. That's right. God, thank you so much for your love and your vastness, the greatness of who you are, and your bottomlessness and your never-endingness. Help remind us every day to live with a deep sense of your well, the riches of your love, um, your blessing, your call. And that we are free to love and free uh, to laugh and celebrate with others because of who you are, because you have enough for all of us. I pray that we can be good neighbors um, to the people around us, to our family members. I know with family, um, scarcity mentality is something that really kicks in and makes it hard to relate to one another. Uh, Give us charity, give us charitable assumptions, give us fullness and abundance uh, when uh, interacting with people that are hard to have relationship with. And in the same way, groups of people that are hard for us to love or be with, uh, I pray that you'll give us
0: compassion Um, that comes from you. In your name, amen.